Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. Hello friends, it's Peace, Love, and Baseball time. Oh man, so much to do, so much to see, so what's wrong with Taken the Backstreet. So I was originally going to record this episode on Friday, which was Cinco de Mayo. Love Cinco de Mayo, by the way. Mexican culture is so fascinating and so cool. But I love Mexican food and, you know, I love I love tequila. What's not to love? Cinco de Mayo, if you did not know, it is the annual celebration of the Mexican victory over French forces at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, of 1862. My personal best insight for you on your Cinco celebration is my favorite kind of, well, my favorite kind of tequila that is not outrageously expensive because like, of course, we're all going to love that, but let's be practical. So my favorite relatively affordable tequila, if you're into that sort of thing, is called Milagro Silver. You can find it at your local liquor store and share it with a friend. Okay, okay, but let's get real. There is not enough tequila in the Midwest to dull the pain of the first 34 games for the St. Louis Cardinals in this, the 2023 season. Now, I say 34 games, though now that it's it's Monday, May 8th, that I'm actually recording this, we've played the 35th game and somehow some way the baseball gods showed some mercy and the St. Louis Cardinals won baseball in this last game of the series at home against the Detroit Tigers to ultimately break an eight game losing streak. Yeah. Hadn't lost that many in a row since 1997. Yikes. Or you know what? That's not correct. It was that they haven't been this far below 500 ball since 1997, more specifically. Still, I mean, even worse is the actual record that's going on right now in this the first month or so of the season. Okay, so we won a game, and now the Cardinals arrive on the north side of Chicago for the first game of our favorite sports rivalry, Cardinals vs. Cubs. The Cubs actually lost to the Marlins in 14 innings yesterday. So let's see if we ride this very little wave. We can fire it up against the Cubbies at Wrigley and see if we can finally turn the page on the season. By the time you listen to this, uh, game one will have happened and I'll be there. And you know that the wager that my mom and I have to see uh, what happens with Wilson Contreras' first at bat at Wrigley. And of course, we've got... a lot more, a lot more to dive into from that angle today as well on our buddy Wilson. But we'll see if we can finally turn turn the page on this season. Maybe it all starts here in Chicago with me. Why not? And in that spirit today, we're going to discuss five ways to fix the 2023 Cardinals. Very official, very scientific, very analytics focused. Oh yeah, here we go. So as I mentioned, I came up with this list on Friday, just a few days ago. But oh, all the happenings since we were 
blissfully doing tequila shots and anticipating another heartbreaking Cardinals loss just a few days ago. But the good news is that my original list really holds up and just got even deeper into these insights that I had already kind of plucked. So let's get to it. These are really in no particular order, but here's my first suggestion for fixing the Cardinals in 2023. First, we're going to find what is working and create some consistency. One of the things that we talked about when I was on the Talking About Birds podcast with Nate and Ben a couple weeks ago was that it's difficult to pinpoint what exactly could be going wrong, what can be changed when there are so many different variables at play day to day in the way that the Cardinals are playing and being set up to play in the first few weeks of the season. So different lineups in different ways every day, different guys in the outfield, different guys in the infield, different catchers, different approaches. So at some point, you've got to stop trying to analyze what is going wrong and instead find out what is going right. So let's start, let's start there. Let's lock a few things down, shall we? For example, Dylan Carlson in center field. Listen up. You're not going to find a bigger bro fan than me right here. I love Tyler O'Neill as a player. I would love to see him succeed wherever he wants to succeed. And if that's in center field, I wish the best for him. And I hope that happens. But I think right now what's working is Dylan Carlson in center field. And we know that Tyler is elite in left field. So leave it alone. Make it work. Now is not the time to be getting creative in that kind of way. Lars Newbar leading off and playing right field. Nolan Gorman in the cleanup spot. It honestly seems like there's zero line from one game to the next. Like, is no one keeping like a little game journal, like reflecting on anything, learning from one to the next? Or we're just looking at each game like, a completely new day, a new approach, new lineup that is just fully based on analytics for the specific matchup. It seems like that has been the approach thus far and that that was at least somewhat the approach last season as well. And the the commonality here, the thing that is consistent is the feast or famine from the offense, right? So perhaps it's not working. Stop trying to take the human element out Analytics are great. Let's leverage them. But we can't solely rely on them for every single decision. That's a very broad statement, but I said what I said. Let's eliminate some of the variables here and find some consistency to build off of. All right, next. Accept change. Set new goals and a new approach. Now, see, this hits a little differently from... uh, Friday to Monday, right? But here's the thing. I want you to have your tissues ready. We're all, we're going to get through this together. Yadier Molina is gone. He retired. Mo, Ollie, didn't you know? There will never be another Yadi Molina. We cannot repurpose Wilson Contreras to be the next Yadier Molina. And Wilson knows that. He's a different player with a different approach, different strengths. And that is 
very well documented over his seven-year career in the majors, I'd say. Wouldn't you? Did anyone expect Wilson Contreras to be the next Yadier Molina? Anyone other than apparently the Cardinals' front office? Like, how much were they really taking for granted for the last 20 years? I don't know. Of course, what I'm referring to is that it came out over the weekend that the Cardinals have decided to delegate primary catching duties to Andrew Kisner and backup duties to Trace Barrera, who was called up from AAA to join the team as the third catcher. Yeah. And and so this, this five-year, $87.5 million offseason acquisition is now for a designated hitter. But... Kelsey, we already have plenty of DH options. Well, yes, friends and fans, we do. It is fair to say that this decision to take Contreras out of his position as primary catcher for the foreseeable future is interpreted as a huge red flag and as buyer's remorse from the Cardinals front office. And the messaging around it is confusing, to say the least. So there's a lot of different quotes and a lot of different coverage that's out there already, and then I'm sure we'll only start to see more of, but a couple examples of that that I guess I want to highlight here for you. John Mozalak, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, says, and I quote to The Athletic, some of the things that we expect, some of the things about the game we've come accustomed to, I think he realizes is going to require more preparation. Now the question is, can that happen? I guess we'll have to find out. But then, both Mo and Ollie are quoted saying something along the lines of, it's not Contreras' fault that we're losing games, don't want to point any fingers. But then, Mo goes on to say, I do think the nuances of the catching side, we haven't had to spend a whole lot of energy thinking about because of what Yachty did for us. You know that saying that sometimes you feel like you had a coach on the field? That was Yachty. That's how we thought. Even though you might have a game plan, Yachty had the ability to allow that to evolve during a game, real-time decision-making. Yeah, that, that sure sounds like a coach's job to me. So it's not his fault, but it's like totally him needing to make adjustments and we'll see if that happens. And it's the only major organizational change that we're making throughout this monstrosity of a start to the season. But it's not why we're losing games. It's just it's just the only change that we really need to make to win games. Hmm. So interesting that we were just talking on our Be Yourself episode a couple weeks back about how great it's been to see Wilson being Wilson and how he's been showing more signs of his true nature with his new team. And you got to assume that's contributing to his breakout offensively. And good thing, I guess, because um, that's the only thing that he's going to do now for a while. Listen, I think that we can all agree an exclusive DH is not an $18 million position. Fair enough? Yeah. I think we also all agree that none of us fans expected Wilson Contreras to be comparable to Yadier Molina. You don't have to be like even the most educated baseball fan to know that. And that's what's like so just flabbergasting about all of this. 
So surely we assumed that the front office and the coaching staff fully understood that and that they were prepared for how that would change their approach, how it would call for team-wide adjustments to be made. Like surely they knew that this was part of the $87.5 million deal? Surely. So this wasn't exactly the new approach I had in mind when I added this to my list of fixes of saying like, we need to accept change, we need to set new goals, a new approach. This was not particularly what I had in mind. I wasn't over here thinking like, yeah, we should surely take this like biggest free agent signing to date. So that's the other thing. If you don't recall, Wilson Contreras' contract is the largest free agent contract that the Cardinals have signed that was for a player that was not already with the organization. So like it wasn't like an extension um, or along those lines. So you you think those things are, are pretty well thought over, one might assume. Especially for an organization that, again, we can all agree is generally pretty well run, especially from this standpoint. I mean, most of the time. So anyway, my intention with this suggestion was quite the opposite. This is not the Yadier Molina era. It's over. I know. I know. Get those tissues. He is gone. Listen. I miss him too. But why in the world would you sign a catcher who, again, as a complete player, is so different and then just expect him to fit into that Yachty box? If you wanted a Yachty protege, save your money and give Kisner the job. At least for like this season, this transitional season, right? Like, why? What? Nothing about this makes any sense. So if you've listened to off-season episodes, then you know that I was all for giving Kiz the everyday job. And I know a lot of y'all are with me on that, and a lot of y'all are not. Maybe more of you are not, and, and that's fine. But I am quite confident that Kisner is with this team by Yachty's endorsement. So I mean, yeah, I guess this suggestion is almost the opposite of what they're actually doing. Like I was saying to lean into the changes that you've decided to make to, to the structure of the team. But somehow, a month and a half into the season, we're saying the pitching staff and the primary catcher haven't been on the same page with their approach and expectations this entire time have been off. And that's the issue? Or at least the only issue big enough that we're going to make this massive change and adjustment based on it. Nah. Here's the thing. This is the age-old story. It is a staple of business. It's not just the cardinal way, y'all. It's really the American way. How can we place blame at the lower levels, the actual workers, in this case, a player, to take any blame off of the fundamental issues of the organization that clearly only come from the top down? It's quite likely that many of you have experienced a situation just like this in a working scenario where you or your team are being blamed for company shortcomings or failures that are clearly much larger issues that at your level you have zero control over. In this case, 
we as fans who pay any kind of attention to anything can see that this is the exact type of issue. So let's talk for a moment about how uncharacteristic it is of the Cardinals to go out and sign a big free agent contract as it is. But they must have felt this need, this pressure, to have a big signing to compensate for losing Yadier Molina. There are just so many things wrong with this. It's hard to even get into the nitty gritty of it because just on the surface, it's so problematic. So the same way that the Cardinals said they didn't make other moves for things like pitching, you might say, in the offseason because like the right fit wasn't there. And I was all for that. Sometimes it's just not there. It's not the right time. You don't want to make moves just to make moves. I have said that and I'm still very much on board with that. But then why on earth did you feel the need to do that with a catcher and with a, a big signing like this? We never even question how the organization would adjust to the player that Contreras is versus Yachty because it has been so well documented that it was it's not a secret. There was no question that adjustments would need to be made. Contreras skipped the World Baseball Classic. He did not play for Team Venezuela in order to have time to be with his new team and his new pitching staff to learn this so-called Cardinal way. Listen, I'm a Cardinals fan. I have been my whole life. I love to believe that there is some elite super secret methodology. But we all know that in life, there's not some organization changing process or secret that leads to one team or one business having massive success over the other. You know what the secret is? It's the people that make up your organization and how they work together. So if you want to take responsibility for Yadier Molina and all the success that he's had, then you sure as hell better take responsibility for you as the organization failing to properly communicate your expectations and teach your process to any other player, period. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic put out a great article this morning that I will link it in the show notes because you should absolutely check it out. The Athletic is more than worth subscribing to. But the last sentence really says it all in regards to Wilson Contreras and in regards to this scenario. He is who he is. The Cardinals should have known that. Yeah, you think? What's even weirder for the Cardinals is how they just really lost control of the narrative around this and how it's come up and gone back and forth about why and how they will handle this. It's a mess. The same way that we discussed the call out of Tyler O'Neill having zero benefit to anyone, this is just the same. It strips the confidence and autonomy from Wilson Contreras. It sends doubt and a lack of confidence in the organization. Not only do the choices that they're making, but the way that they support and manage their players throughout the entire clubhouse. Bad news, bad luck. In better news, Peace, Love & Baseball is brought to you by Validity. Hey, are you a fan of indie pop rock with a touch of Ben Folds, Mika, and Jukebox the Ghost? Then you gotta check out Validity. Validity is a musical project by the talented vocalist and instrumentalist Wesley McKinney. His latest album is Indivisible, and it's now streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you listen. 
It's gonna be a must listen for anyone who loves upbeat melodies and catchy lyrics. It's the kind of music that's just gonna put you in a good headspace and in the mood you wanna be in. But what makes Validity truly special is Wesley McKinney's ability to seamlessly blend his passions for music and his love of baseball, creativity, and fitness. He's not just a musician, he's a well-rounded artist who knows how to stay active and inspired. So whether you're a baseball player or headed to the gym or maybe just looking to get that dose of creativity to put you in a good mood, lover of great music, Validity has something for you. Tune into his music and let Wesley McKinney with Validity take you on a journey of self-discovery and fun. Don't miss out. Stream Indivisible today. Wesley McKinney is also a dedicated and amazing lifelong Cardinals fan living in Chicago, and he's going to be there standing strong with his Cubs friends at Wrigley Field cheering on Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals through this series. So go support him. I'm sure the media coverage and all the great writers that we have covering the St. Louis Cardinals are going to have an absolute heyday with this coverage, and we'll continue to get all kinds of interesting insights in the days to come. But, uh, hmm, yeah, I guess, I guess this kind of leads into my next fix for the Cardinals, which is acknowledge and leverage the natural strengths of players. I'm going to get a little nerdy on you again with my performer analogies because, for I mean, trust me, it works. But also, like, this is what I know and it's how I can speak to it the best. I, I don't think I did the best job of really explaining the way that as an actor, there are roles that you can play and then there are roles that you are like really right for on our episode a couple weeks back. But I have a good applicable instance to reference now. So maybe this will get my point across. So I auditioned for a show a couple, like a week or so ago. And on paper, if you are looking at like the character descriptions that they put out when you're going in for a show, you're going to look at the character description and then you're going to look at a picture of me and you would easily choose to put me in the pile of consideration for the 20s to 30s character, lovable ingenue, ambitious, smart, and pure of heart. Yeah, okay. You might put me in that pile rather than the 40s to 60s, 60s character, devious with great comedic timing role. And I have auditioned for and even been cast in plenty of these young ingenue type roles simply because of how I look and the age that I happen to be, etc. Casting directors very much want me to fit into this box of like the Sandy in Greece type character. And I think I've specifically referenced this before uh, on this podcast of how I've played Sandy in Greece multiple times, but I'm actually a Rizzo. And I think that's the easiest way to explain it since many people are familiar with Greece and those roles and like what they represent. But this is exactly the kind of scenario that I'm, I'm referencing now. At the professional level, when you are competing with the level of talent that you ultimately want to be up against and that you want to work with, you only really get considered for the roles that you are really meant for. So at that, once you get to that level, everyone is very talented. Just because you're very talented, though, doesn't mean that you're the right fit for every role. The same way that like you might be a really talented second baseman, that doesn't mean that you're going to make a great pitcher. Duh. 
it, it really is uh, on some level the same thing. So you're really only going to get considered for the roles that you were really meant for, really right for, and that is by simply being who you are. And that's why I went down this whole topic in our Be Yourself episode, right? And I am, as an actor, and of course I do not mean that I am as in person, I'm obviously not devious and villain-like, but who I am as an actor Even though I am much more 20s to 30s age range right now, I'm going for the 40s to 60s role because that that is who I am on the inside. An old cranky woman. I hope this is sort of getting to my point across. It's not that I can't play the younger ingenue type role. I'm fully capable of it. Just like I'm sure that a lot of second basemen are fully capable of standing on a mound and throwing 85 miles an hour into the strike zone. But there are simply other people out there who embody those types of roles so much more naturally, and they're going to thrive in those roles, whereas I am going to embody and thrive in the more comedic, layered, and in this case, older role. You are not doing anyone any favors by putting them in a role where they are not playing to their strengths. And this is in any work environment particularly when you are expecting them to compete at the highest level. The types of people and the types of even like devices or systems that work the best, they don't do a lot of different things at a mediocre level. They do one or a few specific things very well at the highest level. Don't you dare cast Wilson Contreras to play Yadier Molina and expect him to succeed. You as a leader and as an organization, cast Contreras well aware of his strengths and weaknesses. And if you are not planning to leverage his strengths, that's your loss and ultimately your mistake. And if they are so openly mismanaging Contreras and his skill set in this way, then we can only imagine that it's happening throughout the entire organization on many levels with many players. And this specific suggestion for fixing the Cardinals, like acknowledging and leverage the natural strengths of players, again, it was on my list on Friday before all of this Contreras stuff came out in the last couple of days. So the other recent instance to reference here real quick is something that we also brought up a bit on the Talking About Birds uh, podcast with the fellas that the likes of Johan Oviedo as just another example and many other pitching prospects like him that the Cardinals just can't seem to find success with. They just don't quite click, and then they make seemingly instant adjustments with other organizations to find a whole nother level of success that the Cardinals could never capitalize on. If the approach is that we actually believe the Cardinal way is some kind of game that no one else actually knows how to play, and the only way to do it is our way, And if you don't fit into this box, then you don't belong in this organization and we can't find success with you. Imagine all the potential and the talent we're missing out on. If the Cardinal way doesn't actually center around leveraging individual strengths and piecing together those strengths to play off of each other, then it's the wrong way. And it will fall short over and over again. And I hate to think that that's what we've been seeing this whole time. And I'm certainly not saying that, but damn, this is a bad look. And we can only speculate how bad it looks internally 
as well. So more has come out from players like Nolan Arenado, who's had his recent struggles as well, where essentially he seems like he's lost from a support and a coaching standpoint. Just more to fuel this narrative of the Cardinal way crumbling right in front of us. I do want to mention just for a moment that I started reading Evan Drellick's book that came out in February that's called Winning Fixes Everything. I don't want to speak too much on it because I'm not terribly far into it, but it is about so much more than the Astros cheating scandal. And a lot of the insight so far is actually on how the Cardinals organization was one of the first to make the changes to the way that they operate and ultimately the people that they were hiring to to run their operation to run like any other business. They were the first to hire people who weren't baseball people, who had never worked in baseball, but were at the top of the business world. And that didn't surprise me at all. By the same token, it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Cardinals are being more aggressive in exclusively analyzing analytics, attempting to remove the human element from their decisions, whether that be from big ones like an off-season signing or to the everyday ones like the different lineups every day. And perhaps that is where we're really hitting the wall. But God forbid we admit anything like that as rich white people. Okay, okay, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not trying to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I think we've made our point enough here in that the focus has to be on the individuals and how they operate best as individual players to ultimately succeed together. This is really the same sort of beef that I have with how the Padres and the Mets have gone about building their teams recently. So sure, they signed all these guys with big talent and big numbers and big strengths, but how do their strengths stay leveraged to fit in as a team? You do nothing but stifle great talent when you try to insist on it fitting your idea of what it should be instead of acknowledging the individual for who they are and what they actually bring to the table. And this comes back from something as simple as being open to the fact that you have something to learn from everyone in every scenario. And I think a lot of people, especially who are at the top, and even more so if they've always been at the top, miss out on in life and in big opportunities. It is a surefire way to miss out on the best of someone. So again, this next one, whew, all of these were on my list prior to the Contreras debacle. And, and so I really had to stick with it because it just allowed me to elaborate on it in different ways, I guess. But here's my next fix for the Cardinals in 2023. We've got two more. Hire Yadier Molina. Yep, I said it. I know you're with me, Cardinal Nation. Now, I'm not saying fire Ollie and hire Yadi. I really have zero suggestion or care for what Yadier Molina's title is at this point. But you want to see a guy who fully comprehended the importance of connection and seeing and leveraging the strengths in individuals? Yadier freaking Molina. We mentioned before how Mo referenced that Yadi was like having a coach on the field. Yeah, you think? We heard also this week from AJ Pruszynski on the amount of respect and control that Yadier Molina specifically had in that clubhouse that was really different from 
any other organization and any other player. As we heard from me, when Ben and Nate asked me a few weeks back on my opinion of Ollie as a manager, I said it then and I'll say it now. I have zero issue overall with Ollie Marmol, but that is because I see him for who he is and for why he was initially hired for this organization. Ollie hired in as a manager on a team with Yadier Molina has a completely different role and expectation than Ali or anyone as a manager on a team without Yadier Molina. And that seems to be a disconnect that, again, comes higher up. So enough said. You can't blame Ali. Again, look higher. It's only becoming more and more clear. Who knows if Yadi has any interest in whether it be managing or coaching or whatever it is at this point. He's obviously got plenty going on with his family and his business ventures in Puerto Rico. But at, at this point, it's like, can you just get him to like come on board while you backpedal to make the adjustments that somehow you either didn't see that you would need to make or just or maybe didn't find the way to make when you knew that he was retiring? We got to do it. Yachty, we need you. So Yachty's going to come in. And you know what he's going to have the team do? I think, I think he would be on board with this. For my final suggestion to fix the Cardinals for today. And that is one that many of you have agreed with on the Twitter. The Cardinals need to watch Ted Lasso together. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, get on it. The premise of the show is an American football coach who gets hired to coach a football team, so a soccer team, in the Premier League in the UK. It is about so much more than sports. But the storylines explore all kinds of relationship dynamics and leadership in a most beautiful way. No no spoiler alerts because if you haven't watched it, you just need to go watch it. Do the Apple TV free trial, and if you have to binge it. It's worth it. I want to say that Yadi is like our Roy Kent. <laughs> and Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent in Ted Lasso, is also one of the head writers on the show. And what I really want to say about him is that he is one of the most dynamic of actors and storytellers that I've come across in my lifetime. Truly. What a talent. This is a guy who has been on stage and in the writer's room for most of his life, and he is now a household name because of his portrayal of this brilliant character that he, in part, wrote. Oh, and by the way, the whole writer's strike that's going on right now, you may have heard of it since we're talking about film and television writers, it's hardly beginning to bring to light what we in the industry all figure out sooner or later, And that is if you are not in a specific sort of privileged scenario to have the flexibility financially and otherwise to pursue work in an industry that is unstable at best, you do not really have a chance under the current circumstances for writers, technicians, actors, and all of them in these industries. Our greatest creativity in this world will never reach the masses if we do not change the way that these things work. It all comes back to business 
and keeping the big money at the top and placing the blame and the problems elsewhere. Woo-wee! Okay. I gotta get off this soapbox for now. So much unsaid, so much uncovered, but that is why we'll be back next week. Go watch or rewatch some Ted Lasso, y'all. That's it this week from Peace, Love, and Baseball. I have got to get myself on up to Wrigleyville. Wilson! Wilson!